The Australian summer of tennis is well and truly underway with not one, not two, not three, not four, not even five tournaments, but six going on at Melbourne Park all at once at the moment. It is an absolutely jam-packed schedule, and I know I went over the top with the description, but that's just how crazy it is. It's hard to keep up with, but that's what we're here to do on Breakpoint Podcast. I'm your host, Val Febo, and well... What a show we do have lined up for you tonight. The Australian journalist extraordinaire, uh, Courtney Walsh, is going to join us on the show. Channel 9's Tom Wren as well. He's going to talk about the coverage uh, on Australia's host broadcast, as well as what happened in Adelaide at a day at the drive last week and post the Australian Open with the Adelaide Women's Tournament that is scheduled to go ahead. But before we do any of that, the man, the myth, the legend, Marks the Foolish, joined us last week um, as a replacement for this man. And Joel Ferrucci is back. Um, we, I said I upgraded last week, so you've got a lot. Of, you've got some big shoes to fill, Joel. But um, no, it is nice to have you back. And um, uh, just looking at your face, um, just just warms the cockles of my heart, really. So how are you? Yeah, not too bad, mate. I've got to tell you, last week when I was listening back to the show that you recorded with Mark, I was honestly was shitting myself. I was like, Jesus Christ, he's not going to want me back after this because Mark did such a bloody good job, which. Was really no surprise, let's be honest. But um, yeah, no, look, I'm I'm pretty well, mate. I'm enjoying the the tennis. It's uh, tennis lovers' paradise at the moment, especially especially if you're an Australian. But it's been an interesting week, and um, yeah, like I'd, it'd be uh, remiss of me not to ask how, how you are because, uh, and I've been waiting all week to ask you this or to to uh, to uh, bring this up with you on the show. Oh no, uh, you've learned a new skill over the week. What was it? The Croatian what yell scream? Oh scream? yes, oh that's where you wanted to bring that up. Okay. Um, no, I had a, yeah, uh, yeah. Cause you said you had to bring something up cause I sent you a video last week. No, um, uh, before we do get into the tennis, yes, I had a Croatian wedding on, um, on Saturday night, um, Marta and Pete and yeah, it was, um, it was a lot of fun. I'm half Croatian myself and uh, Marta's sister, Anna, um, had a Croatian shriek going when we were doing the color dance and I thought, why not? I'll, uh, I'll join in. So um, I'm not going to do it on the show because it's probably going to pierce people's ears. But um, yes, that is a new skill that I've learned. So if my throat does get sore halfway through the show, it's probably because uh, three or four days ago, um, it was getting an absolute workout at a wedding. But um, yeah, we digress. The Melbourne Summer Series is well and truly underway, as is the ATP Cup, Joel. And look, I'm bloody confused. It is, it is really, really confusing because... Not the ATP Cup is sort of standalone because there's you know you can sort of understand what's going on there, who's playing, and the premise of the entire event. But when you've got five other tournaments going on, um, including the Murray, the, sorry, the Yarra River Open in uh, in the women's or Yarra Valley, sorry, I'm not even getting that right. That's how confused <laughs> yeah. I am. The Yarra Valley, the Yarra Valley Classic, the Gippsland Trophy, they're the two women's events, and then you have the Great Ocean Road Open and the Murray River Open, as well as the ATP Cup and the Grampians Trophy, which has just commenced today, a Wednesday when we're recording this podcast. So it's it's really, really strange, and especially when you've got Sam Stoza playing singles in one and then doubles in the other, and same with Jennifer Brady. It is, how what have you made of this entire week? And I, I'm loving it as a tennis fan, absolutely loving it, because there's always tennis on, but... Gee, uh, my mind has never been more frazzled when watching sport. I thought we were supposed to stop all this frazzling after we stopped maths, cl- maths classes at school. <laughs> uh, yeah, look, it's uh, it's a bit all over the shop. And to borrow a line from uh, the great Rob Koenig today, he wasn't specifically talking about this, but uh, 
it's a bit like great division, a long division. Sorry, I just don't understand it. Um, but um, no, look, it is it is a little confusing when you know you've got all these tournaments to kind of keep track of. But I'm uh, look, I'm just absolutely loving it. And um, we're going to talk a bit about it with uh, Courtney Walsh from the Australian later on um, about how it's been so great for the local players and how many Aussies we've seen um, get opportunities that they probably wouldn't have um, in, let's face it, normal times. And uh, I, I guess the fact that we are in these crazy COVID times really, you know, it was just dictating the fact that we have so much crossover with um, with the tournaments. But look, I mean, it's, it's not really a problem for me. I, I, don't, I don't particularly mind um, too much. I'm just extremely happy that, um, you know, after all the... Uh, after all that happened in 2020, we've been blessed with so many, so many tournaments all at yep. once, all in the one city, all in our time zone. Yep. And we're being super selfish here, but I bloody love it. It's fantastic. <laughs> and I apologize to my employers, maybe super, because they probably won't like this, but um, I have had um, nine now running in the background uh, all week in my little study nook. And I have been taking in pretty much every second of it. So uh, now look, mate, only positives for me. I hope your bosses don't hear you say that because it's not something you want to readily be admitting on air. But um, here we are. Joel Frucci's got himself in the doghouse. <laughs> but no, it is great. And because this is something that we have to suffer through every year for 11 months of the year where there is no tennis in our in our hemisphere, really, and then in our, let alone our own time zone. So it's great to have yeah. everything at our fingertips 20 kilometers away from where we both live. It's genuinely awesome. And then just having tennis on throughout the day and having the world of tennis sort of envying our position and what we've got. We've got the ability to have crowds. Players are loving it now that they're out of quarantine and they realize what it's all for. Um, and we're actually talking about tennis, not COVID, which was so far from the norm last year. Um, and it's, it's, it's amazing that we actually are talking about what's happening on court. But look, let's get to the ATP Cup because that's the biggest uh, biggest tournament that's going on at the moment. We'll get to a lot of the other tournaments as well with some massive names participating in these events. But um, it was a big first day with Serbia getting through over Canada from one match down and then also Russia and Italy prevailing as well in their ties. And then you had last night Spain versus Australia. Um, it was Spain that got up uh, 3-0. It was unfortunate for the Aussies. Rafa pulled out. But we'll start there. And John Milman against Pablo Carreño Busta. PCB was a late in at 16 in the world. It just showcases the depth of Spanish tennis. But boy, oh boy, uh, he, he played a blinder against Johnny Millman. Yeah, well, uh, as, as we know, Spain bat pretty deep, don't they? Um, so, look, it was no surprise to see Pablo Carreño Busta you know, come in. And as much as we love Johnny, he saw him off fairly easily. And, you know, it's he's almost, he's almost a better version of Johnny than Johnny is of Johnny. Is, is Pablo. He's just very good. And it's, it's you know, it it's, makes me happy to say that because, uh, you know, up until probably last year when he, I feel like he really was a bit of a late bloomer. Um, he'd been around for a little while, but it had just never really sort of made too much of a dent in any major tournaments. But we saw at the US Open in particular, he was, he was really good. And he's kind of just carried that over through the end of 2020 and, and starting um, in, in 2021, even though it is still early days, but look, um, in that in that sense, no surprise to see Spain get the get the win over the Aussies um, alongside uh, Roberto Batista Regu as well. Even without Rafa, with the, the laid out, we want to see Rafa in good shape for for the Aussie Open. But look, there's been 
there's been a lot of quality in the ATP Cup. Yep. Um, I think Serbia, uh, as expected, Novak dominating. Um, nice little helping hand from uh, Filip Krajinovic, who's looking all right. Um, the big disappointment, I think, was was Canada. Um, yeah. Milos Raonic losing against young Leonard Schroff. That's probably a match that you would expect yeah. him to win. Um, Denis Shapovalov just just not quite able to get over uh, Zverev or, or Djokovic, which I guess is, is no great disgrace. Let's let's face it. He's and he's still young as well, Denis. He he's got a a lot of improving to do. Um, but the real highlight for me, Val, was um, this morning, our time, France and Italy, Fabio Fognini and Benoit Paire. <laughs> and it was we so on the, brand. It was so on brand. I mean, everything about that match was as we were expecting, literally everything about it. And there was this one moment late in the uh, late in that match. I think it was in the in third and, and final set. Um, no, it, got to, it was only, no, 6-1-7-6 in favour yeah, of Fabio. Yeah, because there was... It was such a crazy set. I've actually forgotten what the result was. Um, but towards the end of that set, um, there, there was actually a moment where where the coverage dropped out and and restarted from the very beginning. And we were both thinking, what, what, what was that? And, and then we were talking to each other and we, we both said, look, it's been my pair and Fabio Fognini. Something crazy like that was bound to happen. It was just so fitting. Yeah, it really was. And 6-1-7-6 to, uh, to Fabio Fognini. Uh, in that match, and Italy are through to the semi-finals. They're the first team through. They knocked off uh, Austria yesterday, and then uh, and then France today in uh, in pretty convincing fashion. So amazing! But yeah, th- that match it was so on brand that Fabio Fornini won a game without hitting a ball because <laughs> because Benoit has hit four double faults in a row. Um, I, I couldn't stop laughing when I saw the footage because it was just so Benoit. Fabio Fonini completely demolished the racket and there was a camera angle that was right yeah. in front of it. It was just it was just stunning because it was everything that we wanted and more from that match. And Benoit even got himself down from a breakdown in the second set, got himself up a break, but couldn't consolidate and lost the set in a tie break. So it was a complete fluctuation, completely what we'd expect from the two stars. And um, yeah, it was... It was such an on-brand moment, and Fabio rocking his Giorgio Armani um, active wear, and oh, it was just it was just perfect. But yeah, um, Italy getting over France um, and getting through their group as well. So an amazing result for the Italians who get through to the semis for the first time. But um, it, it, another classic today as well in Rod Laver Arena. It was Denis Shapovalov and um, and Alex Veres. Shapovalov got the first set, something he wasn't able to do against Novak Djokovic yesterday. But then. Uh, Zverev really went up a gear, and in that third set, the quality of that tennis was genuinely sublime. And it was just a few moments of magic from Zverev that got him over the line. And I think some of the passing shots from from the entirety of the contest were jaw-dropping. Yeah, they were. And what was really interesting as well, the serve of Alex Zverev, right? It always comes up when we talk about him. It's inevitable. Mm-hmm. And... Through, mainly through 2020, it, it was mainly about how that, that second serve was letting him down. But tell you what, Val, today, when Alex Verev was forced to dig himself out of a hole or make a big decision with his serve, he got it right every single time. Um, there were a few times when he had that second serve in, in big moments. And, geez, he, he just went for broke and went in for essentially a second first serve. Now, that's probably not, if I was a coach, and I'm sure Mark... Sephora's would probably attest to this as well. It's probably not something that you would 
that you would advise your player or your students to do um, if you're in that position. But I just love the fact that that Alex actually backed himself, probably knowing that he probably still has some work to do on that second serve, uh, like an actual proper traditional second serve where you slow it down, maybe you put a, put a bit of kick on it, try and get it into the body of your opponent. Um, he, he went for those those first serves twice. Yep. And from my memory, he he um, he actually won the majority of uh, points when he tried those serves. So it was it was really brave uh, from him. And um, yeah, it was uh, overall a, a pretty uh, pretty incredible match. And yep. um, yeah, indicative really of, of what we're seeing. Um, obviously, we as we've already spoken about a lot um, so far. Blessed with so much tennis, and even on the women's side as well, there was a great match today um, between uh, Katie Boulter actually and Naomi Osaka. And uh, even though, <laughs> in the end, uh, Naomi uh, sort of cruised home relatively in the in the third set, got it done um, pretty comfortably. Um, Katie Boulter actually really, really pushed her, won the first set, um, and she was actually looking okay um, in the in the matches that she played, even even preceding that. So, look, it's it's been great tennis all round, and. Um, yeah, certainly the women haven't haven't gone quietly either. There's been a lot of good tennis on that side of things too. Yeah, there really has. And um, just touching back on Zverev before we before we move on, I think with everything that's happened in his off season and off court, I think it's a real testament to his character to actually come out and beat Shapovalov today when he could have just crumbled. And his serve is an issue, and that is going to be an issue throughout the entirety of the Australian Open. But you are right, the women. Um, are playing some amazing tennis at the moment, and we've got we're blessed with the amount of talent that is gracing Melbourne Park um, at the present. Katie Bolter overcoming um, Anna Kalinskaya, and also Coco Golf in her second round match before um, playing Osaka today and losing that in three. But um, Osaka has looked good. She's been tested, which I think is what she'd want. Simona Halep has looked really good. She beat Laura Siegerman six two six four today. Iga Swiatek falling to Katarina Alexandrova, but six and ninth seeds in these tournaments. Um, Irina Kamalia Begu over Johanna Konta, so we're getting upsets. Svitolina playing Ostapenko in the third round of a tournament. Like this is this is brilliant, and also like going to three sets. It's what we want. Elise Mertens and Caroline Garcia facing off. Um, it, it's absolutely brilliant. And then last night we had Serena Williams in action. Um, we had Ash Barty in action today in the same tournament as Serena Williams. Barty getting pushed massively today against uh, Maria B- uh, Buskova. Um, Buskova beat Sam Stoza comprehensively in the first round, two in love, and then lost the first set six love against Barty today, but showed a steely resolve. She was against top five opponents, two, uh, two wins and one loss, so had a really good record against players in the top five. And push Barty all the way. It was only 6-3 in the third set that Barty was able to come away with that victory with. So, amazing result for Buscova. But what have you made of the women so far? I've liked a lot of the top players and a lot of them have gotten through. Um, Venus and Petra Kvitova as well last night for a second round of a tournament is amazing to watch. And that was a shot maker's paradise to watch what they produced. So, um, I I think that we've gotten a lot of the results that we expect which doesn't always happen with the women. And I think a lot of them have looked really good. Um, but I, th- I think once they start playing each other, I think that's where we're going to re- get a real gauge of where everybody's at. Yeah, no, absolutely right, Val. And um, yeah, I mean, there are a couple of matches that have, that have stood out for me. And, um, you know, one, one lady that we spoke a bit about last year, she was kind of a bit on the comeback trail in, in some respects, um, having 
burst onto the scene really early in her career was uh, Yelena Ostapenko um, and uh, played against uh, Alina Svitolina today, which had really all the all the hallmarks of a, a really great contest. And that's exactly what it what it proved to be. And um, you know, I think the reason we're so interested in Yelena is, you know, I think there's a few reasons behind it. Obviously, she's already a Grand Slam champion. I mean, it's so easy to forget that. Um, and she, she's been, she's already achieved so much in her career, but um, just the way that she plays as well, she's really great fun to watch. And uh, we've spoken a lot about how she can just club the ball really um, when, uh, you know, when she's up and going. Um, I think we did that a fair bit on our, our Grand Slam, uh, our Grand Slam shows with, with the with the tennis menu and um, and Mark. Um, and look today against Elena, who is obviously a very big name player, still I think in this kind of bracket of, of players that are good enough to achieve something but really kind of need to get their skates on because um, they're kind of, you know, she's still pretty young, relatively, 27 years old. But um, in the end, pushed her, won the first set, but um, Svitolina came came home with a bit of a wet sail, 6-3, um, 6-2. So that was probably one of my favourite matches um, so far. But I think overall um, we're seeing a really good um a really good sort of breadth of, of competition um, with the women. I think it's really been uh, reinforced most of last year um, and certainly with what we've seen so far this year. Obviously, we've seen uh, snapshots of, of Serena Williams. She played in um, uh, a day at the drive over in, in Adelaide, albeit a, an XO against Naomi Osaka, but picked up a win. Um, I think we're really interested to see what, what she can deliver. Had a good win against Dasha, um, of course. Um, but, yeah, I think with... Serena, she's still going to be a big player heading into the Australian Open. What we really, uh, at least what I'm interested to see from her, is not so much, um, uh, I guess, whether she can go with with all the other women. It's more, it's more her her stamina and level of endurance. Like, can she actually um, keep with them physically rather than in a shot making sense? I don't think that's ever in doubt. But it's. Um, you know, I think she can, and I was going to say she can throw um, sort of the cat amongst the pigeons, but I, I don't think that's respectful to to Serena because um, that would that would imply that uh, you know she hasn't really achieved much in her career, which she obviously has. So, now look, I'm really excited for um, for the women this this Open. Actually, it's going to be really really fascinating. Yeah, it really is, and that that draw when that comes out, I think the magnifying glasses over both will be will be fairly significant. But I think the women's draw in particular, with especially what we saw with Iga Swiatek taking out um, the French Open and then um, having Victoria Azarenka storm through um, the US Open draw as well to make the final, as well as, you know, Jennifer Brady making the semis, Naomi Osaka winning it from a set down in the final and what Serena Williams was doing to Victoria Azarenka in that semifinal at the US Open. She's, um, you know, she's won the Australian Open seven times. She's got an opportunity here to to really continue her push for for number 24 and she's running out of time to get it. I don't think she is going to get it. And I've said that on this show before. Um, but uh, I think if she has a really good tournament to, to start proceedings here in Melbourne, I think that's going to give her an abundance of confidence that she will desperately need going into the open. She's going to have to start matches well. And that's, I think the key for her yeah. is to start matches well, win the first set, and then she's got to only win one of the next two and she can throw all of her energy into winning that second set. Because physically, if it goes to three, I have doubts over her now. Because it's happened a few times where she's just fallen off a little bit, her intensity's dipped, and her shot-making is dipped as well through to fatigue, through no fault of her own. She's 39 years old. 
Um, so yeah, that, that I think that's the really interesting part about what we're going to see throughout this summer. And the, uh, look, we, we've just waffled on so long about about what's happening. We better get to Courtney Walsh, who we're going to try and track him down. He's actually on the ground at Melbourne Park, and we are so, so jealous of this. So let's try and track him down right now. And our guest, we have tracked him down. He's a very, very busy man at Melbourne Park. He's one of the lucky few that actually is on the ground at the Australian Open grounds. Uh, and his name is Courtney Walsh, journalist extraordinaire, one of the best wordsmiths in the country uh, for the Australian. Courtney, thank you so much for joining us on Breakpoint. How are you? Yeah, very good, gents. I'm hoping you're both well. It's uh, it's a little different this year, clearly, but um, very fortunate to be on site. We are going both well, and uh, it is, and we, we are very envious of you being on site. But what one thing that has confused me and Joel and a lot of other people is the just the sheer volume of matches and tournaments that are being played at Melbourne Park. How are you coping with staying on top of it all and knowing which tournament is which? Because Sam Stoza was obviously playing one singles in one and doubles in the other. Yeah, look, it's uh, clearly some of the rules that uh, are in place in terms of the tour have been uh, tossed out the window this week because we all know that you're not allowed to play more than one event in a week. And yet here we are, given the extraordinary circumstances, deciding, well, you know what, to give people every opportunity to prepare, you can play doubles in one event. Clearly for those women in lockdown in the event that uh, the quarantine open that started today, it was imperative to give them a chance to play some doubles. So that's why we see Jennifer Brady playing with Ash Barty in one event while also able to play a singles event uh, against those who have had a similar preparation. So for me, it's look, I, I guess the, the idea is to follow the main matches, to see what the uh, to see what the Aussies are doing early on. Similar to what we do in the Grand Slams, you normally sort of focus on the local contents and also the superstars, and that's what we're trying to do this week. And you, you speak of the locals. They have been absolutely brilliant so far. We've seen Alex Vukic, uh, Dane Sweeney, uh, Max Purcell, Chris O'Connell won his second match, um, Andrew Harris, um, uh, just among others, win their first matches on the ATP Tour, as well as Harry Bouchier as well over Mark Pullman. So talk us through what you've thought about the local talent and, um, and Alex Bolts and James Duckworth obviously getting through the round of 16 in their events. Um, talk us through what you've thought of the local talent so far. Well, it's interesting. I remember in the lead in talking to a couple of uh, people who have got great insight into the tour, Peter Johnson, uh, Kuyong, classic tournament director, and uh, he has a couple of ATP events, and a couple of the other former Aussie players, and they're saying, this is a time that the Australian players should shine. This yep. is their time to uh, to make hay while the others are in quarantine to get some wins under the board, under, the be- under their belt. First day, I was a little concerned by that assessment because I think we went one and nine with Dash the only uh, winner. Seemed like a social distancing open was going to be Australians getting socially distanced on the court, but very good to see the guys uh, perform well. Clearly, there are some opportunities that would never have arisen. You know, you, you see uh, Lee Tu, who thinks a really great story, getting the first hit on an ATP tour. He's unranked. That would never yeah. happen. Uh, otherwise, he got a, he got a wild cut in. It's good to see him. I think he's got some talent. He can go places. Yeah, the ultimate's getting in. Uh, Harry Boshu winning his first uh, first match, getting a chance. Matt Epton on the comeback trail. He's up a set, I think, in his second round match uh, at the moment as we're speaking. Now, he wouldn't have got a start either without, uh, without I suppose, these events being expanded, giving as many players as possible job opportunities in the first week. So I think it's, A, it's good for the players that there's events to be played. It's been really good to see the Australians take advantage, or some of the Australians have been able to take advantage of what's on offer for them. And hopefully a couple can get through that Hurdle that's been, all well, say Alex Bolt like a quarterfinal in Adelaide last year. 
he can put together another couple of wins, great to see. Alexi Popperin, we know, has played really well in Australia in the past in terms of the Open. Hasn't had as much success, I think, on the regular tour, but now has two wins under his belt. He can push through to a quarterfinal or a semifinal this week. Again, fantastic. And again, Max Purcell, James Duckworth getting a couple of wins, a nice top 50 win today. You know, very good to see. So I'm encouraged in that perspective. I would have liked to have seen uh, some of the women, uh, you know, aside from Ash Barty, obviously, and Destiny Ava had a nice win. But I would have liked to have seen some of the women get, I suppose, been through a couple of rounds this week. That didn't happen. Hopefully that it sets them up, though, that they can win a round or two at the, uh, at the Aussie Open next week. Yeah, you're right, Courtney. But I guess speaking of Ash, it's it's good because I think certainly uh, she would be in that very fortunate position where um, even though she didn't play a lot of tennis last year, virtually none, matter of fact, she didn't have to go through through quarantine. And I feel like that's a really big advantage for her. And we know that she got very close last year at Melbourne Park um, and we all wanted her just to take that step but couldn't quite do it. And obviously in the end fell against Sophia Cannon, who, as we know, went on to to win it. But do you feel like Ash is, is as well positioned as ever to really push for the title this year, even though she hasn't played a lot of tennis. She's just in that in that position where, you know, a lot of the other women are coming in from that uh, that position of having to quarantine. I think uh, what we've seen today, uh, sorry, to date in her two singles matches, uh, both last night and, uh, and also today, has been highly encouraging. The, the key for her, I thought, was to get at least two matches under her belt. In fact, not just me, her coach said as much uh, last week, Craig Tyson, when we were having a chat, he said, I'll be happy if we get two matches this week because that'll at least uh, strengthen her match conditioning, make her at least be pushed through some tight sessions, tight, tight passages in matches. Now, we saw last night that she played very, very well. I thought she'd been working on the back end. I was in Brisbane uh, in October, uh, watched a couple of training sessions with her, and she certainly looked to have nice shape on that double-handed back end, nice top spin. So we get loop, which had been something they'd been working on. Uh, today, she was pushed into some really tight situations by Vescova, uh, who has got a great record against top five players. I think she, uh, you know, the three times she played against top five ranked women, she was 2 1. Played very well, had a lot of talent. Ash started brilliantly, lost concentration a bit in the second set, but was able to, uh, I think, push in the second set without actually getting the, the break back. But then in the third set, when under pressure, 3 0 on the third, I thought she really knuckled down in those key moments. And I think that's great. Get those sort of matches this week. Tough matches where you're under pressure in big moments in matches. Better now than next week, I think. At least that sort of uh, readies her for a, for a tilt. So good to see so far. And I like the fact she was able to back up so quickly. She's on court now uh, somewhere among the, uh, the the matches on site uh, in a doubles. Uh, so she's getting plenty of practice. Yeah, absolutely. She's looking pretty sharp, all things considered. But I, I wanted to ask you, Courtney, as well, just... I guess, off-court. Off um, obviously, it's been a, a big year for, for tennis and we, we spoke to you late last year and it feels like, at least for me, for the first time in a long, long while where we're talking purely just about what's happening on court at the moment. Um, obviously, we had all the issues with hotel quarantine and stuff before the tournament started, but it feels like right now, now that all of that has, has cleared, We've got this kind of clean bit of air, and we're actually talking about tennis. So, like, I'd love to know from your point of view as a as a journo, like, it, it must be great just to be talking about actual play. It's a godsend, I've got to say. I'm uh, <laughs> look, it was a it was a long three weeks leading in in terms of uh, uh, the quarantine situation, which I, look, I think there was always going to be some positive tests. 
uh, I, I don't think what what happened pushed beyond the realms of uh, what was expected necessarily. Um, and I think in the end, thank God we're here playing. Touch wood where uh, you know, things go well in the next two or three weeks and we, and we get through the event because we, we see what can happen in terms of uh, spot fires popping up like they have in Perth, uh, you know, which can lead to all manner of issues. But to actually have the players on court and performing well, I think that's the other factor, performing well. You, you, today, Margaret Court, amazing rundown. You've got the Australian Open favourite, Naomi Osaka, winning three and three sets, followed on the court by the second favourite, Ash Barty, who wins three and three sets, Followed on the court by the third favourite, Simona Harlep, who was, again, very, very uh, strong. She played very well. Tonight's session, American legend Serena Williams, equal third favourite. She starts it off. You've got Sophia Kennan, the reigning champion, performing and winning, you know, continuing to get some match practice and wins under her belt. And we've got the ATP Cup running alongside where Djokovic looked very, very good, I thought. Uh, deep, in match, deep in the match against Shapovalov. You have, a, have, a, have an epic battle today with Zarev. Narrowly getting through. Jimmy Orbit's through. It was a great match last night. So there's great matches unfolding sort of in the men's. And then you look and you see Kyrgios playing a three-setter. You see Stan Morinka, you know, ranked 18, winning matches. You know, there's just so much tennis everywhere. So uh, it's a wonderful to see. Yeah, it is really wonderful to see. And you touched on the ATP Cup. What have you made of it so far, Courtney? As you mentioned yesterday, Novak Djokovic was just ice cold in how in in those clutch moments as he usually is he had so many problems on serve but yet he didn't face a break point in a tight match against Denis Shapovalov who played really well so what did you make of him and then what did you what have you made of the day and a half as a whole especially Matteo Berrettini's form yeah look uh, one thing with uh we'll, we'll touch on Berrettini and team first up I wouldn't be too concerned about Dominic team first up we know what happened in Cincinnati where he played pretty poorly and he comes out and wins uh, wins the uh, US Open not long after so yeah. I'll take his uh, form with a grain of salt letting in I think we'll see him a lot sharper next week Berrettini is clearly uh, yeah, he's clearly an impressive player uh, Novak it's funny listening to Ash today the ball's drifting about a bit on, on surf which is just getting used to the conditions again in terms of uh, and we know that Rod Laver Arena can have little gusts so I'm not necessarily surprised that there were some issues i in terms of serving, I don't, I don't think it's too much of a, of a problem and I expect him to sharpen up significantly. I thought what was encouraging for him was that I know there was some talk about the blister last week. Anyone that's played tennis, where that blister was positioned, knows how hard it is to actually grip your racket. That's a painful condition. So I'm not surprised he took, you know, he only played a set because of what was to come this week and also what's to come next week. Uh, clearly the man to beat given his 121 in a row. I'm not so sure the gap between him and the rest is, uh, is as significant as what it has been in the past. I think it'll be a, a very open race with about five or six that can win it. But he's clearly informed. Rafa, well, I hope we see him tomorrow night. Yeah, otherwise, it's a concern. I, I'd like to see him play and play well tomorrow night. So in his outing, I'd love to see Alex get a win tonight against Sitsipas because, you know, you don't as good a player as District is, and that was, a, that was a great match last night. You don't want to go into an Australian Open necessarily zero and two against top ten players because that's uh, that's potentially a confidence dating uh, matter for him later in the tournament. But he's very close and played really really well. So look, let's uh, you know so much to, so much to unfold. But I do like the fact we're getting a great gauge as to what the players' form will be like. Yeah, exactly. And you mentioned Demon. Or what does he have to do to take that game to the next level? 
um, because he just seemed, Batista Agu seemed to work him out a little bit and have a little bit more weight of shot. Is it just the fact that Demon or just, he's still 21, needs to bulk up a little bit more and then his problems will sort of be solved after that? Yeah, I think I wouldn't be too worried about it. The, the four and the third loss in the first week of a uh, first week to set a quarantine. I, I don't think we can necessarily uh, read too much into that. Um, and you know, you go four or five, and that that could well fall back on his terms that match. Yeah. Certainly, clearly, three points would be fantastic. Whether that comes with uh, with age, I'm not certain. You know that he's certainly trying to. Quick and points. He certainly added bulk. If you've seen him on site, there's yeah. a little more muscle there um, than what the, what there was last year, and he's only 21. So it's uh, his best tennis should theoretically be well and truly ahead of him. So made a quarter final at the US Open. I suspect with the reasonable draw here, he'll be certainly in the second week. So I think it'll be very hard to beat. But as I said, the challenge is to then beat the top ten players in a Grand Slam, and, and, and that's why I'd love to see him get a win tonight to at least have some confidence going through to uh, to next week. Yeah, great, Courtney. Great test for him tonight against uh, Stefano Tsitsipas. Wednesday, that is, of course, because people won't be listening to this at any time. But, Sorry, um, yes. Just before... No, no, that's all. I was my bad. But uh, just before we let you go, because you do have a couple of bits and pieces to write for the Australian, can you give us uh, a couple of uh, predictions for the uh, for the Aussie Open, a champion for the men and for the women? I've had to do it for the uh, for our newspaper group, so I'll, look, I'll go with the Saka, who I think uh, just looks like she's got some gears that uh, when she wants to use them, she certainly steps up. We saw that again today yeah. in her match, uh, and dominant team for me. But it's clearly an open uh, open event. I'd love to see him perform better than what he did last night uh, yesterday, but I think we will. Yep, I think this is one of the most uh, evenly contested Australian Opens that we've seen going into it with so many players on the men's and women's side that could definitely win this slam. But Courtney, thank you so much for joining us on the show tonight. It's an absolute pleasure to have uh, to have your dulcet tones on with us and uh, we'll let you go because you're a busy man and we appreciate your time. <laughs> no, thanks so much, Jensen. Good luck. Enjoy the fortnight. Courtney Walsh there joining us from the Australian, an absolute legend of a man and a wordsmith um, to the stars. Speaking of legends, Joel, we do have another one uh, on the show at the moment, and his name is Tom Wren from Channel 9, uh, one of their sports journos and an absolute legend of a human, as I said. And he's uh, he's over in Adelaide, but he will be coming over for the Australian Open to call for Channel 9 and the host broadcast for the Australian Open. Tom, thanks so much for joining us here on the show. How are you? No, really good, thanks. Uh, thanks for having me on, Val and, and Joel. Um, I've got big footsteps to follow. Courtney is a very good journalist. He's helped me many a time get out of a jam with tennis info, so I'll try my very best to live up to his lofty standards. No, he's a very good man, but as are you, mate. And we, we have done a bit of work together producing for um, producing for the old Croc Media, now Sports Entertainment Network, for the AFL Nation coverage, which you call so brilliantly. But um, how's things going over in Adelaide, we must ask, um, with coronavirus now? There was um, a week about a month back where things weren't looking so good, but now everything's on the mend and you'll be able to come over for the Australian Open. Yeah, it's looking pretty good. We've actually been really lucky. I know, you know, you guys have done it pretty tough in Melbourne as have so many of the listeners. Um, but thankfully, as you say, fingers crossed, touch wood, 
Um, you know, things have been really positive in Adelaide for the most part. We've been able to live a, a pretty normal life, which has been great. Um, you know, there have been some restrictions at times and we had a mini lockdown, which only ended up lasting a few days in the end. But we've been really lucky from a sporting perspective. You know, crowds at strikers matches, crowds at a day at the drive last week, which I'm sure we'll talk about. So, you know, for the main, um, things have been pretty positive over here, which has been great. Yep, and you mentioned a day at the drive, Tom. And how, how did you find that? And it, it was great to see that tennis was going to be showcased at Memorial Drive, which went under a massive redevelopment. And it looked so amazing last year for the tournaments that we had there. But um, it looked like things were going to go awry this year and we weren't going to see any tennis in Adelaide. So it was great to get some of the world's biggest names um, to the City of Churches for some tennis. And what did you make of the event as a whole? Well, I think they did really well, given it was such a short time frame to, to get things up and going um really positive the tickets i think val sold out in 12 minutes or yeah. something ridiculous you know people really love it i know it was only four thousand for the afternoon session and then the night session i thought overall um a pretty good success albeit a bit of a speed hump with novak Djokovic just doing what novak does which is no one really knows um you know he, he's just one of those characters isn't he for whatever reason he in the space of i reckon an hour val he went from probably hero to villain, back to hero again. Um, they can be bizarre at times, the tennis players with their behaviour, but he made it in the end. It was uh, a little bit strange, but goodness me, it was a ride while it was all happening. <laughs> yeah, what, what'd you make of that, Tom? Because obviously uh, all those big-name guys and girls, of course, they had the, uh, the, the, the different quarantine regulations, I guess if we can call them that, uh, yeah. Adelaide. they were lucky enough to not be necessarily in that hard, uh, quarantine, but the trade-off, of course, was to play in a day at the drive, which I'm sure wouldn't have been, uh, I guess, a chore for them. It would have been great for them just to get out, stretch the legs, and um, and hit some balls. But I mean, Novak, um, he looks pretty good in the ATP Cup, almost impassable. So uh, yeah, I mean, a pretty rapid improvement. It was a, it was a bad blister, we have to say. But like, just from um, I guess from a broadcaster point of view, from a, a tennis fan point of view, I mean, like, what was it like on the ground? It, it was weird, Joel, and, and you're right. I think as soon as people got word that he pulled out for a blister and that he'd been in quarantine for two weeks, there were a few jokes going around as to what caused the injury. So um, that was that was pretty natural. Um, he copped it. There weren't boos per se. It was more just, you know, that a bit of a gasp and, and the crowd disappointed. We've got quite a strong Serbian community over here, and I think they were just shocked and disappointed. But then, of course, he came back out, so all was well again, and... And then I think overall everyone was like, what's just happened? You know, this is just strange. Um, but, look, I think everyone's just glad they at least got to see him. I think some people might have had a word to him, um, is my understanding, at the event and said, look, given your PR status at the moment with what happened the week before, saying, you know, players should perhaps be in, you know, quarantine with tennis courts and better food, etc." he was told it mightn't be such a great look if you don't head out there. So I think... He took that on board. He came out, and even though you could see it was an injury, it was genuine, um, but I think he read the room and thought, you know what, I'd better just get through this, and it's not going to kill me, so I'll play a set of tennis, do it, and I think probably good for him in the end that he did do that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I believe that. It was yeah very strange to to see uh, Novak back on court after Philip Craig <laughs> played that first set. I remember just working away at, at my day job in my, uh, my little study nook and uh, – swinging around on the swivel chair and then bang, all of a sudden Novak's on court. And I'm just thinking, what, what? I was telling Val, like, well, what's going on here? He's just come out of nowhere. 
you know, you know what? Like, sport needs villains, I reckon, boys. And and I don't think Novak wants to be a villain, which is fine. But I I, re- I would love it if he just went. You know what? I'm the guy that no, you know, I can't live up to this massive expectation of Rafa and also Rogers. So I'm not even going to try. I'm just going to be the bloke that if you hate me, I don't care. Um, I would love, you know, him just to be a full-time villain, but he, he's trying to be a nice bloke, I think, most of the time, and then sometimes he gets really angry and, you know, you see a bit of the maybe the true Novak coming out or, you know, and that's that's what people are, you know. They're not perfect, but Rafa and Roger seem to be. So I think sport needs those kind of characters that, you know, not everyone likes, and um, he, he just he seems to be that person that polarises people for whatever reason. He's won 17 Grand Slams. I don't know about you boys, but I speak to a lot of just mates and friends and they just can't stand him. Then I've got other friends that love him. He's one of those people that just rubs people the wrong way. Yep, I'm definitely one of one of the latter that um, yeah just rubs <laughs> rubs me up the wrong way. And look, I've said it on this show many times. I can't doubt how good he is and how unbelievable yeah. he is on the court, especially in the ATP Cup. We actually had a comment on Facebook um, last week saying that um, that I need to sort of lay off him a little bit. But when he stops doing stupid <laughs> things, I will. Um, you know, no nobody else is pulling him up on things, and that and that's the thing. I think that people just sort of forget that you know he is still you know he's. He's someone that makes mistakes, and that you know he need. You can't just not hold him accountable because he's an absolute superstar. But yeah, he's. It was unbelievable to see him actually out there. The blisters did look fairly painful. I'll give him that. So um, yeah, it was good to see him at least head out there and and please the fans. But moving towards the um the Australian Open, Tom, yeah. which you'll be a part of the the Channel Nine coverage. Um, what are your thoughts leading in? Um, who who have you liked the most out of the pre or the the leading tournaments? And what have you made of um of the Melbourne Summer Series so far? Because it's been pretty crazy. It has, hasn't it? And this is the thing, Val. Like, there's just not that form line that you know you, we've had in previous years, and and that's because they haven't been out there. How's it going to affect the players that have been in quarantine for two weeks, barely able to train? I think, no doubt, Val and Joel. What from what I've seen, you know, the, the players that came here to Adelaide now, whether they knew this, but money speaks you know, all volumes of languages, doesn't it? And the fact that they were able to charter their own plane to Adelaide and stay away from, I guess, the cattle class, in inverted commas, and then all those players in Melbourne having to stay in their hotels, whereas they got five hours of practice a day, I think that has to be some kind of advantage. So I think that will help them. Um, but other than that, how can you know? You, you just don't know with form line because we're not seeing the same level of tournaments leading in. That said, I did like the look of Ash Barty um, coming into the tournament. I mean, you've got to go with probably one of the big guns, don't you? Albeit, I do think finally on the men's side, the women are so open, but I think on the men's side, we're starting to see that generation next. Dominic team, I think he's there now. He yeah. genuinely believes. I think Daniil Medvedev is ready to come on and take that next step. Alexander Zverev, I've still got my doubts, but I want those guys to push Novak Djokovic, Rafael Nadal, Roger Federer, Federer, I know not there. But it's time for these guys to say, move on, old-timers. We want it. We, it's our time. It's our time now. Yeah, and uh, I think there's, on both sides, actually, Tom, there's a lot of room for some really great narratives to to be written. I think certainly on the on the men's side, we could potentially have guys like Dominic Team, uh, Stefan Ossitipas, Daniel Medvedev, really push the, I guess, the established hierarchy. And then on the women's side, uh, if Al and I have been talking a bit about Serene Williams and whether she can get, uh, you know, 24, um, I, I guess we probably, like, I would love to see her get it, but I guess we're questioning 
whether she actually can get it. And then we have, of yep. course, Ash Barty, who you mentioned. And obviously, we all want to see her do well. Like She's so universally loved, not least in Australia, but dare I say everywhere else. And then there's a whole other myriad of, of women who are really capable of, of pushing the envelope and, and winning a slam title as well. So, I mean, just uh, like from the side of the host broadcaster, you just must be so excited for you know some of these stories that, that lay in wait. Massively. And, and you're right. I mean, the women's side, you know, you had Sophia Kennan, who was a virtual, I mean, she, she was established, but no one would have picked her for the Aussie Open last year. I, I certainly didn't think that she could go all the way. And she just showed this resilience um, and incredible grit and determination. But when you look at that side of the draw, there's probably a dozen, maybe more players that could genuinely lay claim to taking out the title. Men's side, I think, fewer. Um but like I said, I think there are others that are slowly starting to believe um, that they're good enough and, you know, that they can challenge. And that's it. That's that's what I love about it, Joel. You know, you get this 128 players on each side and, and it's just, it's a titanic struggle. And I think more so this year, which athletes have stayed in shape, which ones have stayed motivated, which ones are ready to go. You know Rafa Nadal will be. You know Novak Djokovic will be. They, they want to be regarded as the greatest, you know, Grand Slam winning players of all time. And then on the female side, I don't think Serena's won one since Alexi has been born, has she? No, um, that, so she was pregnant with her. That's right, yeah, and I know she must be desperate about it to get that. So she wants to break Margaret Court's record. There's no doubt about that. And she's got a love affair with Australia, um, so you can't write her off. And we saw just a couple of days ago how much it meant to her just to win the warm-up event. Yeah. So she's motivated, um, but I think women's side, oh, Honestly, like I said, I think anywhere from 12 to 20 men's side, I think there's probably four or five that are genuine chances. Yep, I think Joel and I, uh, that's that's our consensus as well. I, th- I think four four or five in the men's, which is more than what we've seen in many, many other years. And then the women, yeah, yeah. definitely at least 15 players that you can throw a blanket over that can win it. But um, we want to ask you, we are massive fans of Jim Courier on this show. And I saw a post on Facebook, Tom, that you got to sit alongside the great man or he got to sit alongside you. That's that's more the point. Um, and you got to call with him. What was that like? Because we've seen him on our TV screens from Channel 7 now to Channel 9. Um, and yeah. he is pretty much the voice of, of tennis this summer. When he's on TV, you know you're watching the tennis in, in Australia. Um, what was it like sitting with him and, and calling with the great man? Yeah. You know, it's hard not to be a fanboy um, when you're sitting next to someone like that, you know, four-time Grand Slam champion. Just like you said, he's he's the voice of tennis. He's the voice of, you know, summer in early to mid-January, this time obviously February. Um, but it was just incredible. So basically the first time I got to call a match was I was just doing sort of general reporting and I think Nine sort of figured it was the first year they had it and they went, we might not have enough, you know, local commentators. So they said, Tom, can you call? And I said, yeah, 100%. Um, never, I hadn't called for nine before, and I went, oh, God. I rang a couple of people that had done it. And then they said, look, you're going to be calling with Jim Curran. And I went, oh, God, like how intimidating is this? Anyway, I got to the booth a little bit before him, and he walked in about five, ten minutes before on air. And forgive my accent, boys. I'll try and do my best impersonation. But he said, hey, Tom. And I said, g'day, Jim. You know, nice to meet you. Um, and I said, he goes, are, are, you a, are you a broadcaster? And I said, yeah, he, I said, what do you mean? He goes, like, you're not a former player. And I said, oh, well, thanks for uh, assuming that. But no, I said, I'll, I'll be the broadcaster. And he goes, great, so I'll be the special comments guy. And he looked at and he looked at the microphones in front. And he said, when I want to talk, I'll just push this and I'll just go. When I want you to talk, I'll push yours and you just go. And then he said, when I want us to shut the F up, I'll just turn both off 
and we just watch. And I said, brilliant. I thought this guy's a pro. He knows exactly what he wants. And I was lucky. I had a match between Stan Vavrinka, who was coming back from injury, and Milos Raonic, and it was a four-hour, four-set. You know, each set went to seven, five, seven, six, and it was just a real titanic struggle. Vavrinka won in the end. But it was, I was just in my element. It was, it was so much fun to work with a pro. Um, and I learned a lot because this guy just knew so much about broadcasting. And I learned the art, I think, that day of, because it's TV, and as you know, they are very different to radio. Mm. But on TV, you don't have to talk. You know, people can see what's going on. So there might be five minutes where you're just letting the sounds of the game. And, and there's an art form to that, I think. And, and I'm still learning it, but just to be able to let the, the pictures and the sounds and the umpire and the crowd tell the story, he, he sort of opened my eyes to that and it was just a hell of a lot of fun. And uh, I, I still I just hope I get to call with him again this year. Well, we're sure you will. And before we do let you go, Tom, men's prediction and women's prediction for the AO. Oh, geez, that's a good one. Um, my Smokey, I'm going to give my Smokey to Alex Demonor. I think he's fit. I think he's ready. I think he's hungry. I can't go past Novak. His record at um, the Australian Open is just too good. Eight Australian Opens, um, I think he'll make it 18. I think Novak will take it out. I think my other one that I think will go deep, I think Daniil Medvedev, you know, hopefully goes deep as well. I'm a big fan. I love the way he plays. Where's his heart out there? Um, On the women's side, I hope Ash Barty, but I don't know if that's just my my heart um, saying that, but... I think she's ready to go. I think she's going to give it a good shake. And I think Serena will actually be really strong. I think she fancies this as one of her more favoured events. So I think Serena will give it a real crack as well. And I think Naomi... I want to go for a Serena-Naomi Osaka uh, final. But I think... I hope Ash Barty's in there as well. I think Ash Barty will go in the final four as well. So um, I'll go with Serena... And I'll go with Novak Djokovic on the men's side. Yep, I think those three and Halep are probably the favourites on the women's side. So, yeah, yeah, very good predictions there by you, Tom. Uh, You'll be spearheading that Channel 9 coverage very well over the next two weeks, and we can't wait to see you in action. And, look, we're not listening for Jim Courier. We are listening for you, Tom. And um, it's (laughs) going to be great to hear your dulcet tones behind the mic for Channel 9 again over the coming fortnight. Thank you very much for joining us on Breakpoint. Pleasure. No, thanks, boys. We'll have a chat during the two weeks and I'll, um, I'll make sure that if I am calling with him, I'll turn my mic off so you hear more of him and uh, less of me. Absolutely brilliant. Tom Wren joining us on Breakpoint Podcast. How good is Tom Wren, Joel? An absolute king among men. We, we, we should have a king among men uh, category on this show, a segment that we just we have a hall of fame. And I think Adam Peacock sits well and truly in there. Tom Wren, Brett Phillips, Mark Zafoulis, um, Chris O'Connell. Um, Luke Saville, there's yeah Mark Polmans as well. We've we've got a few Andrew Harris. Um, we have a few you of course Joel. You're a king. Um, so yeah. you know oh, you, you are too. I got I got to st- I got to suck up to my a, co-host. We need a uh, yeah. That means yeah we need some queens as well. There's a few queens. We yeah, host. that's true. That's true. No, we we can figure that. We got to figure this out during the week. So stay tuned for that breakpoint, listeners. But. Look, it is time for one of our favourite segments, our only real segment, <laughs> so of course it's our favourite, Benoit of the Week. And uh, we have an absolute epic on a roll at the moment with uh, with how many people have won Benoit so far this year. Um, but we have an outright leader, Joel. One of the yep. 17 people that have got a Benoit, that have received a Benoit of the Week nomination um, have gone Two from three so far in 2021, and would you care to enlighten us on who that is? 
Uh, yeah, so Benoit of the week is, drum roll, it's Benoit. <laughs> he won his own award. Um, yeah, oh, he had to. Yeah, yeah he, he did have to. Uh, so, yeah, for those that, that, that missed the match against uh, Fabio Fognini, we did speak about it earlier in the show, but, geez, that, that first set was just the most Benoit pair thing I've ever seen in my life. It was so, just so incredibly... Almost, I was going to say topsy-turvy, but it wasn't even topsy-turvy. Um, just so many double faults, unforced errors, and in the end, that, that last game of, of the set, he just absolutely tanked it. Um, he didn't even try. I mean, that, that last serve that he had, he served it and started walking to the chair before Fabio had even hit the ball. I was like, oh, my God. And when Fabio's the one that doesn't have to hit the ball, you know that it's just absolutely nuts. And then, yeah, the second set was just a complete fluctuation on Benoit's part. Um, you know, that that third game of the first set where he hit four consecutive double faults, I don't think I've ever seen that ever. Not even Bernard Tomic has been able to do that. Um, it was just It was yeah. just Benoit on another level, and we couldn't love him anymore, could we? Yeah, no, we, we couldn't. I've seen it a few times at Viewbank Tennis Club. Um, I may or may not have been involved in that, but um, no, not at, not at a professional level. Uh, certainly not at a professional level, men or women. <laughs> Very true. I've got two honourable mentions for Benoit this week. One is to Steve uh, at some um, Ace Tennis previews on Twitter um, for his just for his wonderful uh, coverage of the Sam Query story. Just taking a photo of him today and saying found him because we lost him last year. <laughs> But now he's found, and uh, he was in Melbourne Park yesterday. But that content never gets, uh, never stops being funny. And also yourself, Joel, for nearly breaking your racket last night at said Viewbank Tennis Club. Well, 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 well nearly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you did break it. I did break it. Oh. <laughs> Would you care to tell us before we go what actually happened? Yeah. So okay. Look. So I didn't. I didn't like de- deform the racket, but. Pretty much, um, funnily enough, it was only three games into the, the very first set of the night, right? So, um, in, the, in the context of things, barely a ball has been hit. Um, but basically, I've just missed this really easy backhand approach. And um, just in that split second, um, I've just basically lost my shit. And I threw the racket on the ground and um, I picked it up. And, um, yeah, well, I mean, the impact didn't sound particularly good. So, when that happened, I knew something had, you know, I, I knew I was in trouble. And then I picked it up, looked at the frame, and, yeah, sure enough, there was a crack in the frame. Um, so, uh, yeah, good night, sweet prince. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. And uh, I really wish nothing bigger than that happened um, so you could have got Benoit of the Week and got one before I did um, this year because I think I beat you on the on the um, overall standings last year. But, Joel Ferrucci, <laughs> it's been an absolute pleasure chatting tennis with you and I can't wait to get stuck into the Australian Open uh, next week with you. And uh, I'll see you Friday night when we head to the semis of the ATP Cup. Yeah, perfect, mate. See you then. I'm absolutely buzzing for the tennis. Let's go. Yep, very, very excited. Joel Ferrucci there on the other line. And remember, you can follow us on Twitter at Breakpoint Pod, Instagram at Breakpoint Podcast, Facebook at Breakpoint Pod 1, or just search Breakpoint Podcast. We're there, and you can subscribe on Wooshka, on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify, wherever you get your shows from. We are there. It's been Val Febo and Joel Ferrucci. Big thank you to Tom Wren and Courtney Walsh for joining us. We can't wait for the Australian Open. We'll see you then.